What is a holiday movie? No, really. Is it a film about a particular time of year, or is it a vacation? Is it about a fantasy-filled getaway of wish fulfillment, or a more personal journey about self-confidence? Most holiday films try to stuff all of that into one single, solitary, beautiful human being's journey. But in today's story, our film splits the themes right down the middle, creating a bilateral approach to two women's journey of escape. It is both heartwarming and corny, witty, but basic, brilliantly portrayed, and oddly played up. In essence, it's a Christmas movie. Today, enjoy our Christmas present to you, the 2006 Nancy Myers modern classic, The Holiday. So how about some food? Shall I make us a little Christmas fettuccine? Sure. Listen, I know it's hard to believe people when they say I know how you feel. But I actually know how you feel. You see, I was, um, seeing someone back in London. We worked for the same newspaper. And then I found out that he was also seeing this other girl, Sarah, from the circulation department on the 19th floor. Turned out that he wasn't in love with me, like I thought. What I'm trying to say is I understand feeling as small and as insignificant as humanly possible. And how it can actually ache in places that you didn't know you had inside you. And it doesn't matter how many new haircuts you get or gyms you join or how many glasses of Chardonnay you drink with your girlfriends. You still go to bed every night going over every detail and wonder what you did wrong or how you could have misunderstood. And how in the hell for that brief moment you could think that you were that happy. And sometimes you can even convince yourself that he'll see the light and show up at your door. And after all that, however long all that may be, you'll go somewhere new. And you'll meet people who make you feel worthwhile again. And little pieces of your soul will finally come back. And all that fuzzy stuff. Those years of your life that you wasted. That will eventually begin to fade. Well, fuck. You need this more than I do. We've got Jude Law. Jack Black, Kate Winslet, and Cameron Diaz. It's the holiday. Look out! Yep, that's gonna be good for levels. Definitely clipped that. Welcome to a gentleman's guide to rom-coms. My name is Kelly McCullis, and as always, with me is my co-host. Ryan Graves, and we—I mean—we're really in the thick of it, aren't we, Ryan? Um, like the absolute thick of rom-com podcast land thick. when we're when we're doing a Christmas movie that is as rom-commy as this rom-com that we just did. I say C, which is yes in Dominican. <laughs> thick, 
Thick. You were saying thick. Thick with a double C. Yeah. yeah. Thick. What movie are we here to watch? I just said The Holiday. Kate the Winslet, Holiday. Jude Law. Jack Black. What are you drinking? Oh, I'm drinking I'm drinking hot cocoa with five, count them, five marshmallows. Are you by any chance at all into hot chocolate? As a matter of fact. I'm abstaining from the sugar and the fake. Well, was it real dairy? It was really, it was real. Would you call powdered milk real? Because at certain point in time, it's like, yes, it does contain most of what goes into regular milk, but you've changed it so much that I just don't trust it. Okay. Uh, um, Spontaneous movie idea. Uh, Rom-com about a, uh, a dad who's out of his wits with a young baby. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not autobiographical, the thing I'm about to say. Okay, because so far. But um, mom's away, and dad's got to feed a kid with baby formula. Mm-hmm. He, start look, he starts looking around. He's like, ah, oh, I can't find any. And then suddenly he pivots to... Mountain hot, Dew. No, the hot chocolate package. Oh, okay. That baby's never going to sleep. <laughs> and then this, you is just, like, this is like what Mr. Incredible would do. Yeah, then you just cut to them just drinking the chocolate um, milk, and they're just like, yeah. <laughs> And then the two of them are headbanging in the yeah. kitchen. Trademark, um, greenlit. Uh, I'll get you your money soon. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, uh, can I just update you and the listeners on what a day I've had? Yeah, tell me tell me what's going on in your life. Well, yesterday was a crazy 16-hour shoot day. It was one of the only days on set that I've had this entire year. I mean, most of... Most of you film people out there probably feel the same way I do, where it's just like, do I want to be on set? Yes, but also, you know, there's no jobs, but also, like, if I do get a set, is it going to be a safe set? Is Tom Cruise going to yell at you while you're on the set? Right, which, you know, like, I mean, I kind of get, you don't want anybody yelling at you on a set, but I also, like, that's a controversial topic right now in the film world. I know. Um, if anyone's going to yell at you, I mean, it's kind of a rite of passage, right? Actually, and Tom Cruise wouldn't. We, My Tom Cruise story is that he gave me 20 bucks to go to um, Taco Bell once, so he's in my good books. I still think that story is a guy who looked just like Tom Cruise and just was like, sure, no, kid, no, I'm Tom Cruise. No, I knew Tom Cruise at that time because I'd seen... Well, I know. I'd seen Top Gun, like... 500 times i know but you're also the guy where you're watching something and you're like hey isn't that someone i'm like this movie's from 1950 that someone wasn't born until 1980 do you know this is this is pretty amazing actually but i once saw ringo star where was that kensington high street at least i think it was ringo it might have been that man from um fiddler on the roof you know toppy topol yes that's right top topol but set was like very tiny and safe and yeah, there was minimal. Like so no that was crew. Great. No, there's no crew. It was me and like the shooter, but um, and sound and like it was such a heartwarming thing to work on. So that was wonderful. But it was a long day. And Can was, you say a little bit about what the project was? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm not under an NDA. It's yeah. uh, for Shelter Me, which was a um, it's like a docu series about dogs who were going to be euthanized down in texas all being shipped up to the pacific northwest i think they do other such stuff but that was what they were focusing on Mm -hmm. this episode yeah and so it was a cool project and lots of good people um are involved in it but like i woke up this morning and i had to go do some pickup shots and wouldn't you know it my car window got busted in last night because our part of portland right now just has year uh, no, well, no, my car, our car windows haven't been broken, but our car was broken into. Yeah. So lucky this was the only time. 
Hey, I just wanted to send a message out to carjackers. Fuck you. Okay, yes, but they the only thing that they took after they broke our window was like we had a tent and a sleeping bag in the back because uh, like when the fires were right outside the city, we were like, okay, we're going to put a couple things in the back of the car. <laughs> it's been a year, everybody. Uh, <laughs> and so like I, at least, hey, if you're out there and you stole my stuff, it doesn't make me feel good. But at the same time, I hope you're staying dry and warm tonight. And don't light a candle while you're in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll burn right down. Yeah. I mean, it's raining, so it'll be put right out. So I, I, again, like, I hope you're safe and warm. Stay safe. Ryan, I need to, you know, the thing that makes me feel almost most happy if I'm having a bad day. It's a good book, a good movie, or a good game. Oh. How would you like to play a game? I want to play a game. Welcome then to Who's That Couple? (laughs) Hear the jazz music? I do. Do you hear the thumping of your heart? Uh, hold on. There we go. <laughs> oh, no, it stopped. <laughs> um, okay. Well, on this Who's That Couple, let me remind you of the rules. You get four clues, at which point in time you have to guess the couple. If you can guess before the fourth clue, you win honor and respect for your house. Great. Just like the Targaryens. Targaryens, the Klingons. I think the Starks are all about honor, too. <sighs> A little. <laughs> I mean, at the beginning, until all honor is lost because they went through the 2020 of Westeros. Really? That was the story of Westeros. There are no Lannisters. <laughs> if you want to talk who about was, it. Wait, who was, the, who was that character? What's his name? I don't like, know. Like, Lannister Hater 69? Yeah. <laughs> Lannister Hater 420 from the podcast down the road. There you go. Okay, well, are you ready for your first couple? Yar. <clears throat> She's rich, and he's poor. Uh, Aladdin. No. Okay. That wasn't no. a real guess. Uh, are you sure? Because I, I, I don't have to tell you the rest of the clues and you could just lose. No, no. No, uh, no, that was that was just you having fun. I'm having fun. Okay. It's it's like uh it's like um what's that celebrity squares with the, the three X's and the three O's <laughs> It's Tic Tac Toe. Celebrity Tic Tac Toe, yeah. But what is that show called? Celebrity it's Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares. The the rules on that show is you do the joke answer first, right. and then the host is like, well, what's okay. your real answer? So I'll be more like him. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Here, if you guess, I'll just, I'll do the, um, it's not so you want to marry a millionaire. Do you want to be a millionaire? Hey, how would you like to be a millionaire? What's the name of the show? You mean Regis Philbin? Yeah, Regis. On who wants to be a you know millionaire. How, you know how he always used to say, like, is that your final answer? Right, right. Right. So I'll do that to you. Uh, second, so first clue, she's rich, he's poor. Second clue, they meet while traveling overseas. Uh, okay. Okay, keep okay. going. <clears throat> Third clue, he teaches her how to spit. Spit, huh? Mm-hmm. Spit take. She's rich, he's poor. Mm. I need one more clue. Okay, last clue then. He dies, freezing to death. Oh God! I'll give you. I'll give you a last hint if you want. It's not. It's not The Shining. No. Okay. He dies freezing to death. God, that's so like dark. Teaches her how to spit. I'm cheating by looking at my Blu-ray collection, hoping that I can find inspiration. I don't somewhere. think you own this. <clears throat> dies freezing to death. Titanic. There you go. It is Jack and Rose from titanic I, uh, I haven't seen that since 1998 
I knew this actually, and but one of the most famous couples. So had you not gotten it, it would have been dire. Yeah. Um, I think we would have lost all respect in uh, all two of the people that listen to this podcast. Uh. Um, all right, you ready for your second one? Yeah. <clears throat> this is a series of meat cutes. Okay. They wait. They have multiple meat cutes in the same movie. Correct. Okay. First meat cute. She's a server in the restaurant, and he's a patron. Okay. <clears throat> Second meet cute happens through a travel agency window. Uh, okay. Any guess? No. <laughs> Third meet cute happens inside the travel agency. Oh. Oh, that's nice. Sorry, these I I know these are very 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 good clues. Uh, keep going. Okay, last clue. They get married. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Travel agency. Get married. Meet outside travel agency. She's a what? At first, she's her, his server at a restaurant. Server, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can give you one more bonus clue, but you lose respect points. Um, mm, uh, mm, uh, no, no. I can tell you what it's not. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> we, we have too many choices. Okay. I'll need another one. I'll lose my respect. Okay. He... Mm, he's a wasp. And... <laughs> like, not not a bug. Right. Right. He's built. He's Pullman. not going to sting her. Um, he's a wasp. And she... Is... Not. Very ethnically specific to the movie. Uh, uh, All of our audience just took a really deep breath and is like, what are they going to say next? Careful, <laughs> Everybody wants you to be careful. <laughs> Please avoid the slurs. Oh, no, no, no. Don't say that. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to throw in the towel. I'm not going to know this one. It is my big fat Greek uh, wedding. Of course. See? See, I jumped out of that pit. Of course. All right. Yeah, so disrespect me. The shame, shame. I'm Where's my bell? Shame, shame, shame. Yeah, I'm trying I'm gonna to walk think you through the streets of Portland naked. The first scene, she's so John Corbett. Yeah, and she's got the headset on, and she does the whoa, and he gets beat up by an old lady. Right, right. And then you uh, could have told me a boy band member was in the movie. That would have been that would have been I, I would have gotten it. A boy band member. Yeah, Joey Fatone's in it. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay. Then I would have gotten it. Is he one oh. of her brothers? Oh, oh, oh. You know what you should have done? This would have been a good deep trivia thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna school you. This film, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, was produced by Tom Hanks. Therefore, ergo. Ipso facto was produced by Playtone Records, his yep. production company, uh-huh. and that movie features in the wedding. This one of the songs they're dancing to is a Wonders song. Oh, is it? Yeah, is all it, my only you dreams. Don't ask a lot. Oh, nice, very cool. Uh, which we're also watching next week. Yeah, yeah. So Spoiler you could have alert. said something along okay. the lines. <laughs> okay, you're losing more respect by critiquing my amazing okay. clues. Keep going. I didn't want to make it super easy. I on know, you. I know. Keep going. Oh, also, I want to just highlight because we'll probably talk about it later. But um, Nia Verdalos is 
a fantastic physical comedian. Just in those scenes I was watching, yeah. I was just like, yeah, she's oh good. yeah, you're good. Yeah. Okay, last couple. <clears throat> Our lovers meet on a film set. Uh-huh. They have wonderful, charming conversation throughout the movie, and that's how they're highlighted. <laughs> that's not fair. That's 90% of romantic comedies. Now, just wait. This is very specific. They have sex before they kiss. <laughs> I need one more. Okay. The last scene when they're alone together in this film, they have their first kiss. Love actually. Yeah, yeah. there you go. High five. So I won, right? I didn't lose. I didn't get as much respect, but I still didn't lose. Yeah, you got two out of three-ish. All right. I, I'll give you, I kind of want to give you like a 1.5 out of three, but yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, you you, you kind of won like like you're a college basketball team playing a high school basketball team where you're like, I'll take the win, but I didn't, I didn't earn a lot of respect through it. Anyway, that was our show. Why don't you go ahead and tell me a story? Here's the story. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love. Probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. You've got Cameron Diaz. She's a beautiful, successful trailer editor in Hollywood, California. And then you got Kate Winslet. Who is who, not. Who is a... Successful, beautiful newspaper writer doing the what's that section called? I mean, she's a quote unquote journalist, but she's mainly writing about um, she's doing the unions, the wedding, she's doing the wedding part of news. She probably also does like the the obit- obituaries Obits. if she's working on this. It's a big section in the New York Times where uh, people get their weddings covered in the New York Times, mm-hmm. and you just know it's someone really rich just getting the New York Times to write about their nephew or niece's wedding. Yeah, how does that work? No one cares. No one cared. I mean, No one ever cares. I bet they care. I like it when it's something interesting, but it's like some rich people got married in New York again. It's like, Mm. thanks, New York Times. I'm so glad that this is right next to the column about how movie theaters are dying. (laughs) Well, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where, like, imagine this. We're... 80 years along with this couple. Okay, maybe not that far along. Maybe we're 60 years along with this couple. They're very old and they're together. And then, you know, their their ch- grandchildren find this clipping and blow it up for them and um, put it up at their, like, 60th wedding anniversary. And it's like, look, this is when they were written up in the paper. And, and then oh, their great, grandma and grandpa. And their great-grandson, just under his breath, fucking yuppies. <laughs> their great-grandson, the richest person in the world. <laughs> Um. All right. Yeah. So she she so writes the unions. Is that what it's called? Unions. I'm, I, that was just my guess. I, obits. But weddings. we know we know this that the big papers do the big high profile weddings. And that's right. What and she covers like the fact that her editor walks by and calls it a story. Like, are you done with your story? It's like that's not a story. That's. I <laughs> you mean, just imagine the New York Times person version of this like, calling us is like it absolutely is yeah, a story. They're like we're writing their entire love story. You know what? We're being cynical. It's romantic. I'm so glad that you guys do it. They should do this at the um, 
Christian school newspapers because it's all about the MRS degree. MRS, yep. And it's just like, well, they did it, guys. Another, (laughs) another wedding before sophomore year. Wow, I, I, you know, I didn't actually see a lot of those at our school. Um, I saw several. There were definitely ring by springs that I saw mm-hmm. uh, senior year. Um, okay, so we got those two, and then um, the other, the other Brit in line is Mr. Jude Law, who is a book well, editor. Let's not skip ahead to the bows yet. Let's just cover the ladies and s- no, no, no. Well, let's set up our characters. Those the are- characters you don't want to give too much away because there's uh, there's something about the rhythm. I, I, I know. I won't. I won't. He's a, he's a book editor. Jude Law is a book editor, and he lives in merry old England. And then who's our last guy? Jack Black, um, a jaunty, feisty Jack Black, and he is a musician. And actually, I think we meet him first. I think he's the first person we see on screen. Because there's a little montage that Kate Winslet talks us through the different forms of love. And mm. Jack Black is composing the score that's for a different movie, but it's also for this movie, which is a nice touch. Ah, the blind love is what he is. Yes, yeah. this whole movie sets up the different kinds of loves. We yeah. have Jack ba- Black being the blind love. Yep. The uh, Jude Law being the one night stand kind of love. Right. Um, Cameron Diaz is the done with love love. Uh, What is she? Death by chocolate love? She's the, my boyfriend cheated on me love? Yeah. Yeah. She's the in a bad relationship, given up on love love. And then Kate Winslet is the worst love of all, the unrequited love. Which I'm gonna kind of slap a a yellow flag on Kate Winslet. You can't call it unrequited if he at one point requited. He may not have no, said no, 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 he no, may no, not no, have no, said no, no. that he loved her, but Hard they disagree. No, if they hooked up, that's at Hard one point disagree. You like, can't call it unrequited no, if at saying, some point there was an attraction that saying, was fulfilled. You're saying requited equals uh, like requited love equals it doesn't populated. No, it doesn't have to match. But to have some of your affection returned means it's not fully unrequited. I can I completely disagree because there are people who long for a true relationship with other people and they long and long and long and long. But if that isn't returned in kind, then it's not love. No, 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 no. Because some of it was returned, just not everything she wanted. No, not love. But love is what she's talking sure. about. So you're you're dying on a hill that I think you're going to no, start falling off of. I, I this is. We'll we'll talk about their relationship later, but okay. this is I mean that's that's like saying, and this is my go to gold standard of rom com philosophy, but five hundred days of summer, that means summer never loved him and never had feelings for him. And I say, No, no, there was Wait, were what do feelings. you mean? That wasn't unrequited love. No, that's my point, is that the whole thing about Tom and Summer is that she just wasn't into him as much as he was into her. Yeah, right? but that doesn't mean unrequited completely. That's my point. Is that yeah, he? There was a relationship, relationship. Is very different than there that was one. still a relationship though. A, un, for me, an unrequited love is having an attraction to someone and they have no feelings for you. They're, That's such they may a be hard friendly. line thing. Well, welcome to my world before Sarah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Is like the the majority of relationships out there aren't like no relationships then the relationship it's generally lots of failed relationships and then the relationship and so you can have varying degrees of relationships one of which can be a long unrequited love just never reaching the thing that you're truly looking for yeah okay (laughs) we need to move on we'll talk about it more but I, I think we're we've already picked our corners of the ring and we'll have a rematch later. Ding ding ding. Round one. 
Fight! Then basically the way this movie really gets started started is with Kate Winslet. Yeah, so Kate Winslet uh, has a little bit of a breakdown because her <clears throat> unrequited love. Can we just say her? Excuse me. The, the guy that she used to hook up with that she's been in love with for three years. The best part from Dark City, Rufus Sewell. Which, okay, Robin and I were thinking Slash about this. Slash a nice tale. Rufus, he's not the best part in about a Night's Tale because he's the bad guy. Rufus Sewell, he's a beautiful guy. He has really like distinct features, but he's never. I mean, he's like one the the way Sean Bean dies in movies is the way Rufus Sewell is villains in movies almost every time. Except the one time that he isn't, it's one of the best sci-fi films of all time. It's called Dark City. It if is. you like sci-fi, check it out. And he also plays, I think, a good guy in um, Middlemarch, I want to say, like back in the early 90s. Yeah. But BBC fans, get at us. Let yeah, us know. Let us know. Anyway, he is a bad guy here. Like, because even yeah. though he's not, I wouldn't say he's... Sed- He's a user. He's a gaslighter. He's a user. Yeah, yeah. He uh, is the worst. So he likes having Kate Winslet's attention. There used to be some kind of relationship. It ended a while ago. Because he cheated on her. Right. Um, but she's still in love with him. And the movie rightly lampshades it right away of like, you know, you're pathetic, right? That's a good scene. And I, do you want to talk about this dialogue a little bit in this film? Uh-huh. Because I feel like that some of this dialogue is really smart. Whip, uh-huh. whip crack witty and does exactly what the movie needs to do to keep moving along being a two hour and 16 minute movie uh-huh. um, by the way I started the movie I paused it to get myself a martini I looked at the runtime like two hours <laughs> and 16 minutes it's Sunday night I gotta go to bed soon our last three movies have been two hours or longer <laughs> my lord I mean I'm happy to, Me too. to be with it but it's just but like sometimes... I'm, used, I'm accustomed to 90 minute rom-coms <laughs> I've become accustomed to your runtime. <laughs> the way they get into this is um, one of Kate Winslet's friends at the the thing is like, she sees him, her pining over Rufus Sewell. And she's like, oh, is that still going on? And they basically lay out their entire history through this conversation. Mm-hmm. It's really obvious writing. It's, I wouldn't say really good writing, but you have two good actors pulling off bad writing and it works really well. Oh, yeah. In, in worse people's mouths when she would say things like, Don't tell me you're still... No, 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 that's over. Very over. What's the story with you two, anyway? You were shagging him, weren't you? More importantly, I was in love with him, truth be known. Yes, yes, I remember. Then you found out he was shagging that trip from circulation. Which is when I stopped shagging him. Mm. I don't think we should be talking about this at the office party. But I always see you two together. He cheated on you, but you stayed friends. <sighs> head over heels, you know? Everyone knew. Does it look like I'm crying right now? No, 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 no. It just looks like it's a smoke from my cigarette. You know, and then I thought that we would be in love, and then we weren't in love, and then he left me, and then he did this thing. It would just feel so telly. Yeah. And it is telly, but with the right actor, you can pull that off. Well, I'm just sitting there, and she's giving this, like, Basil exposition, Mm -hmm. and... (laughs) Basil exposition? I'm just... I'm just sitting there thinking, man, Kate Winslet is so lovely. She is. She is everything. She's so lovely. And I've got to admit, I was never, I was telling Sarah this the other day, I'm like, I'm not crazy about Kate Winslet movies. I'll go to them, but I'm not like, ooh, another Kate Winslet movie is coming out. But like this movie, I'm just like, I've been a little harsh in that uh, lack of charisma and enthusiasm for you, Kate Winslet. You are just lovely. I I think she she's one of the best characters character crafting 
lead actresses mm-hmm. because um, you can you can bring a Kate Winslet into a role, and I think she brings a lot of subtlety to that role. Um, yeah. uh, the amount of pathos and charisma I feel for her in this film, right off the bat, even though she's paying, playing a pathetic character, doesn't feel pathetic. It doesn't feel pathetic. And you know what, Meg Ryan in Sleepless in Seattle, that's that's pathetic. Even though there's something more on paper more pathetic about Kate Winslet. But because of Kate Winslet's persona, I'm just like, who cares? Wait, you're perfect. Wait, you're saying that I'm saying the it, Meg Ryan in Sleepless in Seattle is a p- pathetic character. Kinda. You're just saying because she kind of gets obsessed with. Maybe pathetic is unfair. More crazy. <laughs> okay. You were standing in the middle of the street. You know that dream when you're walking down the street naked and everyone is looking at you. I love that dream. Rufus Sewell gets engaged and this um, leaves us with that beautiful opening or ending scene to her where she goes back into her wonderful cottage in Surrey, makes it all the way home after this long 40 minute travel out of London and just starts crying. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're left with her. Yeah. And there's something about, have you, you haven't seen something's got to give, right? No, I haven't. It's another Nancy Myers film where Diane Keaton, it's like, a sequence where she cries and cries and cries and it's actually it's both funny and very telling mm-hmm. but there's something about nancy myers films where she's like yeah they cry like it's so open uh-huh it, it's transparent and it's just like girls cry and the, uh, jude uh, law cries in this too yeah so people uh, cry Ryan, tell me are you a crier um it depends on the movie <laughs> no not in the movie but okay well that should tell me all i need to know no 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 i'll say i have two answers Movie answer, yes, but it has to be equal to E.T. Okay. Well, so there's like maybe two other movies? <laughs> I, I'm setting the high okay. bar. Yeah. Uh, non-movie answer, yes, I'm a crier, and it's 99% of the time, at least as an adult, been relational. Okay. When Sarah and I have a rough night, it hasn't. It's, I'm surprised that it hasn't happened since we've had a baby. Wow. I, I think it's just because we're so emotionally numb. <laughs> but uh, the crying was when we had a bad argument night, and mm-hmm. I just can't stand it. It just gnaws at you. Yeah. No, I get that. I mean, most of most of my crying in my life has been in regards to that or... Yeah, I'm a, but I'm I'm like not necessarily a big crier these days, but throughout my life, I definitely have been. Can I have a humble brag about one time I cried that it was about neither of those things? Sure. It makes me sound. Star Wars came out. No, it makes me sound really like artistic, but I, I'm I'm prefacing by saying I do cry as an artist too. Where and this sounds really pretentious. I'm not trying to sound pretentious, but I too late. I think about. I'm wondering if you have the same feeling. I think about the thing that I want to make, uh-huh. and like I have the like script in my head, or I've I've written a script. I've imagined what kind of movie it is. I'm listening to the fake soundtrack that I made for the movie that will be it, and I can see it in my head. And it just it's that ache of like it doesn't exist yet, but I just so want it to exist. Have you had that feeling? I've had the I've definitely had that feeling, and I've definitely had the this probably won't ever exist cry. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. There was this uh, there was this time where I'd gotten one of my scripts into a festival and then it didn't win. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where I was like, gosh, if it if it like there's there's a step to a dream coming true and then it like gets dashed. And it, I just took a, a walk and went and looked at like <laughs> so stupid. I went and looked at a pond um, that was filled with ducks in the rain and I just kind of <laughs> cried 
And then as I was like kind of crying, I was like, wow, I'm really wet. And then I thought of Blade Runner. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears in rain. Yeah. And I just started laughing. <laughs> See, that's kind of the moment where Nancy Myers, like you, if Nancy Myers was your friend mm-hmm. and you would tell her the story, she would like grab you by the shoulders and she's like, that's a good thing, Kelly. Well, yeah, but here's the thing. I'd I'd say other than like really harsh relational moments would, that have made me cry, the, the other flip side of that coin is I have cried over lost love, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of the best kind of crying that you can do because you can still have self-confidence and you know a a okay put together life or you can have a like crummy life right now but if you're crying because something amazing was lost that is a super well-earned cry in my mind and i've definitely had that very specific crying session of crying over not having someone love you back and Mm. i've had that very like her crying the way that she does after what happens was very relatable. Yes. And so I thought it was, it's kind of a funny scene, but it's also very true. And that, yeah, this Nancy movie tows the line between darkness and light. She really pulls yeah. it off where it's like, isn't she, no, don't say she's pathetic though, right? No. Guys? Yeah. She's like, this movie respects, well, okay, we'll get into it, but it respects most of its main characters pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's her emotional mess that she's yeah. in. And then we move straight on to Cameron Diaz, uh-huh. um, whose boyfriend cheated on her. He, he is, doinked the receptionist. Right. Or what? what is his name? What is his actor's name? Edward Burns, Edward who's Burns. actually an accomplished auteur in his own right. We're going to get to a couple of his films down the road. He made several films in the 90s, was a big Sundance guy. There's there's something about his face that makes him like powdered toast man <laughs> to me, where he's kind of milk toast, but he's not a bad actor. He's handsome, he's nice looking, but in a generic way, but not too generic. Right. And we we basically get like their whole relationship baggage as she's throwing him out of the house. My favorite moment in all of this is him looking at the gardener and after the gardener's she, like, Don't do yeah, it. Yeah, she's like, Hey, did you did you cheat on me? Please tell me that you cheated on me. I just need to know. And this gardener's like, Don't no, do it. No, 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 Don't no, do no, it, man. No, 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 no. Yeah. So their their whole thing they is they break up. They broke up. He cheated on her. They were having problems in the in the first place they weren't having sex um gotta have sex honestly (laughs) you don't have to have sex well you gotta have an understanding yeah you don't have to have a like as i've learned from marriage counseling books which i've read 10 now because of my wife not because i had to but she's a counselor she is a counselor she's like you should check this book out it's really good i'm like okay and every one of them says like you don't have to have sex every night to have a good relationship. Some couples have a sex drive that it's once a year, and that's okay. But just have the understanding that it should be once a year. You know, uh, Cameron Diaz um, doesn't say a lot of smart things in this movie, but what she does say that's super smart is, you know, having sex can make something complicated and not having sex can also make something complicated. And I think that all has to do with communication. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not having sex and you don't know the reason why, Mm -hmm. it can drive you mad. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just want to warn everybody, if you guys get pregnant, say goodbye to sex or say hello to a lot of it. It goes both ways, as I'm told. And, you know, that could be sex's motto. It goes both ways. <laughs> it really does. So we have, our, I would say, the, even though our four 
Let's, the four people involved in the two couples in this movie uh-huh. are our main characters. Our main two characters are, are the girls. The girls. These yeah. these women. So they both. So Cameron Diaz is like, I need to get away and I need vacation after having a nice scene with John Krasinski cameo. Yeah, and and uh, Catherine, what's her name? Catherine Hahn and Catherine Hahn. Mm-hmm. Lindsay Lohan and James, and James Franco, Franco with yeah. the fake trailer that they made. And do you do you buy that she's that rich it, from owning a trailer house? No, I definitely don't buy that she's that rich. She had to have money some other way as well. Um, And on top of that, I don't buy that her editors are both in her house while she's sleeping and her husband's sleeping on the couch and they're just working in her editing house, in her house, without her knowing that they're there. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, when she showed, when Catherine Hahn showed up, I was just like, what are you doing in the house right now? Where from? (laughs) Unless there's a back entrance and Yeah, like, like, I mean, you can can piece it together in your head if you want to. But that could have easily been done where she's pulling up as he's leaving. Right. But instead, she's just in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, uh, bad time. Yeah. Cameron Diaz is having a um, esophageal reactions, So she realizes that she needs to have. Uh, well, I, I think a it's vacation. more chest pain reactions. I thought she said esophageal spasms or something like oh, that. Oh, is it? Because what it, it reminded me of my one really bad relationship kind of gave me like like chest pains when mm-hmm. the stress got super, super bad. Yeah. And I mean, that's an anxiety, I was like relating to that. Anxiety attacks can um, manifest. In, such in, ways. in lots of different ways. So Toes she, catching on fire. Yeah. So she wants to go on vacation and she wants to, to speak English. Where do they speak English? England. <laughs> so nice so let's talk term. about the scene just That's a little bit. That's what I would do. The, from this point in time, this movie does what I like to refer to as Google the movie. Yeah. Where she basically figures out how to go on a vacation using Google. I looked this up. This movie was made in 2006. Google became a verb in 2006. Oh. Um, and I think... Like we get a lot of pretty well done uh, product placements in this movie. Uh-huh. I think besides Google, we get um, Home Exchange, uh, Porsche, Hugo Boss. Oh yeah. Um, there there are a lot of really subtly well written in Nancy Myers product yeah. placements, which they needed because this movie's budget was eighty five million dollars. Yeah. Those in two thousand six, money. Beautiful people. Boing. Boing. How much is wow? Right in between, uh, between ouch and boing. Wow. They are beautiful people that need to get paid. And this movie was shot not only in a giant house in L.A. with a bunch of fancy cars. Oh, you just know Nancy Myers is like, who do I know that has a nice house? Yeah. Uh, let's go to Steve Martin's house. <laughs> like, just someone will yeah. have a nice house to shoot in. Yeah, and like the place in, they actually went to Surrey. And shot in Surrey. Oh, that's lovely. Um, basically, we have these two. They they agree to do a housing exchange. We see them riding back and forth to each other. It's fine. <laughs> Cameron Diaz's typeface is italicized for some reason. Oh, because she's the the spunky LA yeah, one, I maybe. That. But the uh, the the clincher that made them realize let's do this house exchange where Kate Winslet's going to go to LA and Cameron Diaz is going to go to England is the question is are there men in your village? And Kate Winslet says no, and then Cameron Diaz says perfect, let's go. I don't want to be around men, and neither does Kate Winslet. They want space. They, they want time. They want to go somewhere far away from their problems, mm-hmm. right? And as Cameron Diaz explains it later in the movie, she wants to go somewhere far away so that she doesn't feel as alone, which I, you know, you can, I guess you can get there logically when you just go through a breakup where you travel somewhere and you're like, ah, it's different enough that everything feels new. Thus, I don't feel alone. I think there's a real feeling to find in there somewhere. Yeah. If I had to do a vacation by myself, I would not do a staycation. I would have to go somewhere. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. 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 This is our movie. 
I guess can can we I don't want to go through every element of this movie because it's can can we basic premise this and then ju- dive into the parts? Yeah. So it's basically a two half story, an AB storyline. The Cameron Diaz storyline is she gets to England and she meets Kate Winslet's brother, who's Jude Law, who's so yummy in this film. He, he's the, the the greatest human being to have ever existed. And well, I, let's just launch into what the conflict is, is that they meet, they hook up. It's really hot and heavy. It's really sexy. And he's like, ooh, you know, it's complicated. So I don't want to get too attached and blah, and, blah, blah. And she's afraid of jumping into something. And, and you know, she doesn't she, she doesn't seem like a person who is generally spontaneous. Yeah, so even though like, she does hop the pond, maybe uh, you know, maybe it's a one-time thing, or I don't know, maybe it's something more. But then mm-hmm. Cameron Diaz learns, oh my gosh, Jude Law is a widower with two kids. Right, and then on the other side of the pond, we have Kate Winslet both becoming friends with Arthur, who's like this old Hollywood writer who is also, again, one of the best human beings to ever be invented. Yeah, um, and then she becomes pals with Jack Black, who used to work with Cameron Diaz's ex, yeah, and is a composer as well. And, and Kate Winslet is. Tra- Trying to help Arthur get over himself and accept a WGA award and uh-huh. be honored. And in turn, he's trying to make her have more gumption. Right. Yeah. Which he succeeds at. And then Jack Black writes the music. He writes the scrutily do music for uh-huh. Arthur. And that that theme is so charming. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to wake up to that theme almost every day. Little Arthur in the night. Cheeky. It sounds like him. Speaking of themes, do you know who wrote this movie? Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer did the music, and they even name drop him when um, yeah, some Hans, some Hans yeah, yeah, there. and Driving Miss Daisy. Also, not another like like Hans Zimmer is known for a lot of soundtracks, and Driving Miss Daisy is not the one I would immediately go to. But this is 2006, so maybe like that was his one of his bigger ones back in the day. He was just starting to get famous with batman i i would i love the part in this movie though it, it was it was way out of left field when uh, like uh, jude law's like yeah i have two kids and it's like and that's basically it all the couples end up together Spoiler alert. No, it's fine. Guys. I, I think we need to dive into like the the ins of this movie and like talk about how they get there with these couples. Yeah. I want to say off the bat, uh, I want to start, I'm going to zoom out, then slowly zoom in. The storyline with Kate Winslet, I find to be a hundred times more interesting than Cameron Diaz and Jude Law. Yeah. I here, I agree with you in a respect because where Kate Winslet is not only dealing like with this plague of Rufus Sewell, always kind of contacting her from afar. And like, he's this ominous presence that's not there. She's also trying to like get to know Arthur and get him out of his shell and learn more about herself. And she develops a good friendship with someone and helps him through his breakup Mm -hmm. and like has, has a Hanukkah party Mm -hmm. and like, she just does so much stuff most of what we find Cameron Diaz doing besides hooking up with Jude Law, which I mean, if that's not enough, I don't know what is, is putzing around the apartment being a boob. <laughs> like she's like, oh, I guess we'll figure out how this hot or this tub works later. And like, do you have a coin? I want to flip a coin and see which storyline we should do a like deep reading of first. OK, yeah, let's um, I, Cal, I, here. Oh, nice. I've got this cartridge of Pokemon Blue. 
Okay, if it lands heads up, then um, we'll do Jack Black and Kate Winslet. Okay. Okay. It's heads down. Damn. Okay. So this will be the simpler one, though. Yes. Let's start with the deep dive because Cameron Diaz sleeps her entire way to the cottage, basically. She sleeps on the plane and she sleeps in the car and then she shows up and the driver, the limo driver of her like town car is like, yeah, sorry, I can't turn down this road uh, because, you know, I won't be able to turn around down there and I can't go down this road. So you're going to have to get out now. This guy has a very interesting story to me, almost more interesting than Cameron Diaz's. Because you can't go down there, you can't go down there. He he goes down there later in the movie, and Jude Law Light goes up. down there later in the movie. I think he's just tired of this like LAB, this and he's like, lady. "Get out of my car." I I yeah I agree. Do you want to talk about her like her narrator who's always in her her head? I like that touch. I think. I think Cameron Diaz storylines had the most quirky moments, but they were just that. They were just quirky. It's like there's a trailer narrating her life, uh, the trailer man, and I think it's I think it's Don LaFontaine. No, I, I think it's, it's the other it's guy. How, it's how uh, how handsome. But yeah. it's 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 a real it's the real trailer voice, and I thought that was a nice existential thing that she's so obsessed with making trailers mm-hmm. that of course the god voice in her head would be a trailer narrator. Sure. So I like that. I I like it. To to an extent, I just don't really like how Cameron Diaz reacts to it all the time because she reacts as if she's mad at her subconscious for telling her this, which I get that you have intrusive thoughts. That makes sense, I guess. But I'm sorry. This is this is going to be the beginning of me like I like this movie a lot. But this is the beginning of me being like Cameron Diaz wasn't right for this role. Yeah, because there's moments where she does some pretty good acting in this film, but it's always back and forth between. Wow, you are really hamming it up right now. Like you're bringing a lot of cartoonishness to this yeah. reaction that you're giving me. So what we needed instead of Cameron Diaz, and this is me recasting the movie. Mm-hmm. Should we have a theme for recasting the movie? You cast your first draft with your heart. And you recast it with your head. I think this is totally doable is just having Diane Keaton from 1979. Sure. That would have made sense. So that would we, have worked. What we needed was Robert Zemeckis to come in and allow the age. Uh, or, like no, or I, Back to the Future. I, her. I was thinking, yeah, he creates a story around her where it sends her <laughs> Back to the Future because if, if if her mind lives in a trailer, she would have him yeah. come and Doc Brown would take her back yeah. and replace her with Diane Keaton. Yeah, there you go. You have Dustin Hoffman cameo in this. You could have had like Doc Brown cameo, and it, it would sure. make sense. So. You needed someone with a more neurotic persona, and this is why it's pitch perfect in Something's Gotta Give. I'm really excited to show that to you because mm-hmm. uh, Diane Keaton, Diane Keaton's character in that movie is very similar to Cameron Diaz's character in this movie. And I think Nancy Myers, what I really like about her is that she is an auteur, that she totally writes her personality into these movies, and mm-hmm. that a lot of her main characters are ciphers for Nancy Myers, which is great because I get to know, I get to watch this movie and get to know a person. That's what's fun about art. Yep. Uh, I just don't think Cameron Diaz is as reflective of that persona as well as Dan Keaton is. And there's also something that um, a lot of ma- more, we see it more with male writer directors where they cast a really beautiful person to portray them. Uh-huh. 
um, it's it's like what Woody Allen started doing in the '90s of like hiring like now Edward Norton. It's like oh oh you fancy yourself an Edward Norton? Okay, yeah, I wouldn't say he's the biggest hunk, but uh, no, but he's certainly hunkier than Woody Allen. Sure. Well, okay. Let's let's talk about her character then, her personality, because like I I think neurotic isn't what she's playing. I think, but I think that was the direction. Maybe, but like the way they, the way they, the way they dress her, like, gosh, I, there's, there's a bunch of words popping into my mind, like is kind of fancy, prissy, high maintenance. Yeah. I don't think that's fair though. I think you're saying that that's not fair, right? I mean, I want to use those words. I don't want to use those words, but most of how she's dressed in this film gives me that connotation like she's wearing like really fancy sweaters and makeup to bed she and she's by herself like i i think part of this problem is like costume and makeup for one it's not necessarily her 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 hair is always perfect um glossy rom-com rules it's very glossy rom-com unless you're supposed to be a fritz and she's not but like the way they treat kate winslet is the opposite of that not that she doesn't have makeup uh-huh. on or something, but it's like, not about the glamour. It's not about the glamour. And there's something about Cameron Diaz's character that it's like, I'm about presentation and glamour. And I'm kind of worried about like, she, she kind of reminds me a little bit in, in, in some respects of, uh, Carrie Bradshaw, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's character from family stone. Yeah. Where but there's a not, propriety that she right, has, but she's not locked up because of, no, her she's definitely, no, she's not locked up, but there is, they're like where her character was kind of neurotic. I think Cameron Diaz's character is kind of, I don't know. She's a little too straight up and down for me. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's take a scene so we can kind of break it down and see if we can get at it a little bit better. So she's in this beautiful cottage house, which, uh, your dream home, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. If I could build and, or find that house. Yeah. So my vacation home, I would like to be Kate Winslet's cottage. Mm -hmm. My, Home home, my dream home, and it's literally the only rule now. Sarah, Sarah and I are looking at getting a, another house. A not second a, house. Not, not a not second not. house like I'm, I'm Mr. Um, a different Moneybags, house. But the next house, so that we can have a family in there, uh, is the the house from Family Stone. I'm like, right. that's all I want. Uh-huh. And once we find that, we have to buy it. Sure. So uh-huh. we can stay there for 50 years. Yeah. The yeah. way Cameron Diaz moves into this house, though, is almost... Like she's she's looking for something and this isn't it. And she the way she busts in this house is she's she almost disrespects it. I I think she underestimated what you're supposed to do on vacation because she yeah she, spends, she brings two big bags yeah she spent, spends several hours there she takes a bath she gets a little drunk she listens to some music she's jet lagged so she can't sleep and so she's like bored and that makes sense that I I totally get that of like. Being, like, she she dances to the Killers, okay. Which, if you didn't know, it was two thousand six. The first two songs in this movie are Killers and Jet. <laughs> right. Uh, I uh, like Jet, but still. <laughs> when's the last time you traveled for work? So, at least nine months ago. <laughs> no, actually, I had my one of my only other shoots this whole year was um, filming at a brewery in Bend, and I ended up staying overnight in a hotel. Yeah, but you had one friend with you. Like, when did you go to a job that you didn't know anybody? Maybe don't tell me when, but tell me, have you I been? mean, I've traveled, not for work, but I've traveled and... Um, by yourself yeah. to a place where you don't know anybody. I would say probably three years ago. So I go to 
well now I have lots of friends in Wichita, but I go to Wichita every year to yeah. work at work help work at the Tallgrass Film Festival. But every year I go and all the other people are doing stuff and it's like it's after dinner, the work is done, the next it's an early morning, but I still have a few hours to kill. It's that loneliness where it's like, well, I can it wasn't be unreal. leisurely. It definitely wasn't unreal. Her circumstance and the things that they had her do weren't unreal. It's just the way... So I guess I'm saying I related to it. Yeah, I related to it as well. Um, and then basically she meets Jude Law because uh, she's falling asleep on that first night. She's already decided to go home. <laughs> yeah, she's already given up. Which, that's not fair to Kate Winslet. I think uh, I think she would just let Kate Winslet keep the rest of her vacation because Cameron Diaz is like, no sweat, I'll just go to my second, ho- my second home. <laughs> Does she have a, I mean, I'm sure she's got some situation where she's sure. like, I'll just stay at my sister's guest house. It's bigger than mine. Uh, I mean, <laughs> but I, I guess she's she's she feels like the kind of person in the beginning of this movie, at least, who like travels with bunches of suitcases. She barely sees where she's going. It's not about the journey. It's about this imagined destination. Right. Yeah. So the scene I wanted to get in was this first scene with Jude Law. Yeah. He comes in. He's kind of drunk. He's so drunk that he can't drive, but not so drunk that he's falling over, which is a very magic middle place where you're like one drink away from one of them. No. okay. And this movie, let's talk about drinking and driving in this movie, because Cameron Diaz on her first day decides that she's going to like pound half a bottle of wine in the grocery store and then drives in a place that she doesn't know how to drive in, has a really hard time driving in through the snow. And this movie's just like, yeah, that's cool. Later on. Uh, Jack Black has like a whole bunch of um, wine at Hanukkah and then he's like so drunk that he double kisses somebody. I've had too much of the Manischewitz. I'm going to have to be cut off. And is kind of like woozy and then he's just like, okay, I'll see you later. I'm good. I'm going to go drive now. So Jude Law's the only responsible one. He's not falling over. He's not falling over drunk. He's just like, I'm drunk. I know it's not responsible that I drive right now and decides not to. High five, Jude Law. You're saving the world. So he goes to his sister's house, forgets that or didn't realize that his sister was gone. They start talking and they have their meet cute, Mm -hmm. as is explained later. Which is nice. And the conversation gets into this flirty place where, uh, do you know the 30 Rock episode where it's late in the show where they're talking about having a, a TV channel just for women? <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's porn for women, but it's just men saying all the things that women want to hear. Mm-hmm. And as if they're having a conversation and they just go. Hello there. Well, hello. How was your day? Do you need to talk? Because I'll just listen patiently and say things like, uh-huh, how annoying. She's clearly jealous of you, and, well, it's his loss. You're a great woman. You deserve a great man for just twenty-four ninety-five an hour. Yes, please. And they get into this conversation where Jude Law just kind of defaults into only saying things like his all of his dialogue was auto-generated by things women want to hear from a charming stranger look at you you're already better than you think like basically she's talking about all of she's like you know that's really weird because you did this thing and you're here now and i don't know how to react to that and i just broke up with my my ex and also he is you know um, he said he said I wasn't good at sex and it's a lot of things and they're not 
there are things that she thinks and says, like her character often says what she's thinking out loud. And so that tracks, but like the, what Jude Law does most of this movie is just react to Cameron Diaz. And just react in the most adorable, perfect ways that make him so attractive. And I kind of like it. Me too. (laughs) But what I don't get is he'll, he'll like lean in and be like, you're slowly becoming the most interesting person I've ever met. And I'm like, I'm so charmed by you saying that to me, but I don't believe it. Well, I believe it. I You believe that she is the most interesting person he has ever no. met? No. I believe he thinks that. While he's drunk? <laughs> well, that helps. But my point is, this scene, and pretty much Cameron Diaz's storyline, feels like indulgent storytelling for women by women generally speaking so it's like we have sexy guy who will have sex with you actually wants to go on a second date with you but doesn't want to complicate yours and his life for his kids will cry is strong and honest and direct and all of his dialogue are the perfect lines that women want to hear and yeah. i don't want to generalize and say all women want to hear jude law no but it does feel written in a way that the word is like intentionally jude indulgent. law was cursed with the what women want curse before mel gibson <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but i really think nancy myers is just like you know what why can't we all just sit back, have some chocolate cake, have a lot of red wine? Let's just enjoy ourselves and just write their entire storyline to be chocolate cake and red wine. I'm like, there's not a lot to this. It's really nice for some people, but I personally don't like chocolate cake and red wine. But if you're a chocolate cake or red wine fan, I totally get it. Are you a chocolate cake and milk fan? Yep. Yeah, me too. But that's. But, but do you, do you yeah, see yeah. what I'm saying? No, I see what you're saying because what, what Nancy Myers seems to be telling us through this romantic comedy veneer is, at least this is what I got by the end of the movie, Cameron Diaz needed to have a, a change in her life. She needed to be able to trust after this thing happened. But she meets the only guy who could have possibly gotten her to that place. Mm-hmm. Like, Cameron Diaz... I don't I don't think she could have been with anybody else because Jude Law is perfect and she needed perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean the only thing that's not perfect about him is, you know, his whole his arc is that he wouldn't tell her about being a dad and being a widower right away and he just, you know, subtly But the way he explains that makes him perfect. Yeah. Where he's like I didn't tell you because it's hard for me and I try to compartmentalize my life since my wife died and I have to take care of these two kids and I'm always cleaning chocolate milk off me and I'm like, no, no, I get it, I get it, I'm gonna hug you, don't worry about it, I've forgiven you, it wasn't that big a thing to begin with. But you read it on paper and it just feels like, what's the most indulgent character we can draw? Yeah, and and that's proven in scenes like that where they're having that conversation and she's like, he's, or one of them starts off like with, you're a, a person in L.A. doing this, and I'm a person in England doing this. How will it ever work? And they're, like, setting up their own melodrama. Yeah. And it's not good writing. It's schmaltzy, and I don't hate it. It's one of those weird things where we're both like, this isn't good, but why do we like it so much? It's because, well, A, it's because Jude Law, like, you were talking about how, like, I love, I love Kate Winslet, and I've really been there for most of the things that she's done. I feel like I haven't done that for Jude Law but I want to because this movie has almost proved to me that this guy's acting is bar none 
some of the best and why have I missed some of it? So Sarah put it perfectly last night where she's like, Jude Law and Cameron Diaz don't have charisma or don't have chemistry together, but they have chemistry with anything. And that's why it feels so right, even though you're thinking about the relationship and know that it's really generic of a relationship. But they just have like Cameron Diaz could have chemistry with a, a lamp and she she could have a sexy well, I don't want to go there, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. Where it's like, if the movie is about her in a book, I would feel like it was a romantic story. Like it would still feel like she's got chemistry with anything, and that's I, just how beautiful these people are. Not, I mean, not in a transparent way like that. They just no, 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 it. no, no. I, I, I get. I, I don't necessarily agree with Cameron Diaz. I'm not as. Uh, wowed by her as you I do like her in a lot of other roles and one of my favorite parts of this movie is when she is displaying this kind of like confidence and being like hey everybody go around this table and we'll do a conga line and I'm like I'd like to see you more in charge in your films yeah uh, but like neurotic I don't think she is her game well my my point with that scene though is that she's talking 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 and he's saying perfect lines yep. that just make it's like well everyone wants to have sex with you now yeah uh and she is kissing him, and it's this part of the scene where it's like, okay, I think really what we're trying to be told about her is that she's nervous or neurotic. I, I take it as neurotic that she keeps interrupting the kiss and is just word vomiting things of like confessions she has to make about stuff. Insecurities are coming out, and she can't help it. It's mm -hmm. word vomit. Mm -hmm. And to me, that feels neurotic and nervous, but more neurotic. That's where I'm coming from with my... Um, my stamp of approval. Oh, you're approving it. I mean, I, I like it as a character arc. It's just not as interesting or unique or special as Kate Winslet's Kate okay. Winslet's arc. Sure. I, yeah. But do, for, you, do you see or do you? I, I guess for me, when. What when, would you call that? I, I would call it that as well. It's just for, for me when Kate or when um, Cameron Diaz is like in the kitchen the next morning and they're talking and. She's kind of like talking to herself half the time. And then she's talking to him. She actually, it's when she comes downstairs drunk later in the, or hungover later in the movie. Um, she does these things where she'll play something really subtle and then she'll like hit her head and she'll like go like nine out of 10 on something. And I think her playing neurotic gave me a little bit of whiplash. It always gives me a little bit of whiplash. Yeah, um, it's, it's a tricky thing because a lot of rom-coms, you know, the rule is have a successful female character at a really cool creative job, mm -hmm. right? And her creative job is making trailers, which out of all the ones that we've seen, I think is my favorite one. It, it's pretty I, unique. Again, yeah. it's not the character, I think. And I don't think Cameron Diaz is a bad actor. I just like she's playing a character that I just can't believe in Cameron Diaz the way she acts it. Well, my, my point is she's supposed to be high powered and highly successful but i think the movie is trying to say in spite of herself and we're just sitting there and we're just like no we don't buy it she's just great <laughs> and i think that's because i think her persona uh is just kind of contradicting this character because i think the persona that wowed me and has forever wowed me is there's something about mary and what i found so attractive in her persona in that movie is that she's just this laid-back cool girl and she's not supposed to be, we're not supposed to see that in this movie. And it's just kind of like, I can't forget that. And so. Oh, well, I'm not bringing that really to this movie. I that's think. what I was bringing. And that's what I, th I think we're both saying she's not right for the role. And my diagnosis is because I see the laid backness of her persona being tamped down. It's like, no, I'd much, 
there's just something about her that I think you were right about Diane Keaton because Diane yeah. Keaton can be worried about something in a real way, yeah, and then also still kind of pull off like, but we can still can we still sleep together tonight? And Cameron Diaz does pull off really, really unique roles. Like she's in being John Malkovich. Yeah, right. And and that's nothing like anyone in any of these movies. No, it's not. So she's definitely a great actress, but something's not working here. And maybe it's no one's fault. It's just one of those things. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't want to harp on her very long. Basically, they go back and forth from she's like, she's going to leave. And then she decides not to because... Like she's just thinks a lot about like the potential of um, Jude Law. And so she decides to come back, has a drunk night with his friends. They keep doing this thing that couples do in movies sometimes and in real life where they keep hooking up. But then there's an end game here and they can't decide what to do about their relationship because there's real feelings involved rather than it just being a hookup every night kind of thing. Yeah, but, you know, most of their storyline is them just kind of enjoying each other. Yeah. And it kind of sucks the drama out of it, and just kind of like, well, you guys are really good with each other. There's this time, this deadline coming, but we don't have to worry about that until the end of the movie, so I'm just going to check my phone again for the fifth time during this movie. Most of the drama between them comes with them sitting in a car or standing in a kitchen being like, well, do do you like, you don't like, well, should you like me? No. Oh, well, I, I no. guess. Okay. No, here. we, let's just like well, each other. I'm off to work in the morning. I promise I won't be drunkenly banging on your door anytime soon. We'll see each other. Okay. We'll figure something out. Good. Good. Of course, the most wonderful part of this movie is probably the Mr. Napkinhead scene where she shows up at his house and she's like, I am committed to hanging out with you for another week. <laughs> Which, again, <laughs> that should tell you the drama, I guess. And um, she, I really like the acting she does here where she is trying to figure out whether he's married or not. And she's like looking around corners and then he's like, no, no, widowed. But it's that stuff that makes me not like her where she's like really angry at him. And she's like, are you are you divorced? And she spells it out. And he's like, no, I'm widowed. And it's just like Cameron Diaz. I don't, I don't know if your character deserves Mr. Napkinhead. See, you know, the stuff that she's doing, like the technical work that she's doing and portraying the role. Mm -hmm. I don't think anything she's doing is technically mistaking. No. Well, sometimes I, I, I think it's a little overblown, but no, I agree. She's portraying this role correctly. Yeah, it's the it's the funny thing about casting, and that's why casting directors are lauded for being casting directors because they're like, mm, you know, the person that should play this role. It's rarely because they're better than another person; it's because their persona is perfect for that role. Correct. And who was perfect for Mister Napkinhead? Jude Law. Jude Law. Like, so just, he's perfect. He's perfect. Here. He's perfect in this role, and that scene is just. Like he feels like a real dad. Yeah, it's and totally. it's it's hard for me to like see Jude Law and how beautiful and like wonderful he is, and be like, oh, also you have two kids that you're also wonderful with, and he built he built a giant like playhouse for wonderful. them. Just wonderful. He's wonderful. He's great. I I so I love Jude Law in this movie only because he's supposed to be flat. Yeah. He's, he's not supposed to be bring anything dynamic other than just be charming. Like the most complicated thing about his character is I'm I don't know how to be single and have kids. And he's seems except to be a re- that he seems once, to be a real horn dog. Except like, that one time when 
my parents took the kids away for the weekend and I got totally wasted at the bar with my my mates. It's like, okay, it sounds like you get a lot of breaks. So, yeah, I I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it's tough, but again, he's a, he's a single parent, which is uh, always harder than having another partner in the house. Yeah. Um, By the way, I don't know how single moms do it. (laughs) I just want to say for the record, I have the most respect for you because I get overwhelmed having a, a partner here the whole time. Well, also single dads, you know, single dads, throw it out to all you single parents. Yeah. Statistically it's, there's more single moms. It's usually the burden usually falls on single moms. I just say, Holy hell. I'm just impressed. Kudos times a million. Yeah. So let's, uh, I want to talk about Kate Winslet. Yeah. Let's jump over. We should probably take a break and then we'll jump into Kate Winslet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Oh God, not jump into her. God, I'm so sorry. So, welcome to Car Talk. Oh, I'm sorry, Trope Talk. Car Talk for people who love rom-coms. Um, our trope on today's episode is moving on. Okay, let's talk about moving on, what that takes and what it entails. Because there's a lot of movies from what's one that you really love. My ultimate is 580 Summer. That's and the point of the film. That's the point of the film. It starts off like that. There's other movies like that deal with it. Um after like after the facts like uh p.s i love you uh yeah which is the saddest version of it right but it can it can it can span genre yeah uh, where where it's something where we we all have not all of us but probably most of us have gone through at least a little bit of heartbreak and there's that interim time between when you like lose your love when you decide i'm gonna try to get over it and then when you're actually over it yeah and there's always it's not like for kate winslet we'll get at it later there is just a point where she realizes that she's over it mm-hmm. but i think most of the time it's so gradual yeah getting over someone where you kind of realize oh i haven't thought about that person for a few months whoa but I, am i over this person uh-huh i guess i am but in this genre they don't really ever handle it like that and and i think for good reason because the most dramatic versions are when life and and this happens in life as well where like you have to have that like redefining a relationship talk or a like i am done with you and calling it quits thing with someone where you're like i am sorry to do this but i am building a wall against me and this thing and i'm running the other direction yeah sometimes you have to do it and um like in in 500 days of summer it's kind of when they meet on the hillside right and yeah. like have that last conversation where she's like i'm getting married i i fell in love with him and this is the reason why i loved him and i sorry i didn't love you so much but that's, that's life the deal and you just have to confront reality yeah and with oh good good tie in for the reality versus you know that part in the movie where it's reality versus... Ah, uh, yeah, nice. in 500 Days of Summer. That nice. was pretty cool. That's a good scene. I feel like every film student was like, that's amazing that's the and best brilliant. Scene. I'm going to do that in my movie. Have you seen 500 Days of Summer? It's my favorite movie. And <laughs> um, this movie, it's more. It's even more confrontational than that. Because I say if we really dig into her character, she, more than anything, wants him, wants Rufus Sewell not to be who he is. She has probably an idea of who he could be in her mind and he's not that person. And it's not really until she accepts that 
by surrounding herself with other people who are wonderful and love her, where she creates like a base of happiness and has separated herself. Like, cause that's, that's the thing about this. Once you separate yourself and give yourself enough time to heal, you become a stronger person and you can see things a little bit more clearly, which is what happens when he comes back. Yes. You set me up for that, but I was just so lost. Yes. I got so lost in your eyes that I need you to keep going. <laughs> um, am I doing something Jude Lawy right now? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, you, you here, just, you guys, you just, you don't want to get lost. You'll never find your way back. <laughs> my, gosh, my eyes hurt so bad. They've been open so long. I'm so tired. Um, see, I know that's a lie because I, I look like crap today. No, uh, I, you know, I'm going to take the opportunity now. I, I want to alert the listeners. If you're curious what Kelly looks like, it's oh, no. 99% Jude Law. Hey, it's your celebrity doppelganger. You look so much like Jude Law. Your mannerisms are close to Jude Law, but I'd say a lot of the times you're stealing mannerisms from Jack Black at times, but you're also Jude Law. Mix all of those with Kermit, and then you've got me. Yeah. Because there's too many times where I get mad at you and I throw my hands up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if anyone's curious, Kelly is a is a, a dead ringer. Is that what it is? A dead ringer? I mean- You don't want to be a dead ringer did for you anything. Remember 2009 when you could do those like, who? what celebrity am I? Right. Um, I, I remember doing one of those on Facebook a long time ago, and it gave me three celebrities, no matter which picture I gave it. And one was Seth Green. Uh, okay. Uh, one was Jude Law. There you go. The other one was Bradley Cooper. Oh, hey. And it's, um, yeah, I uh, I appreciate all those gentlemen. So thank you, Internet. So the one I get, uh, you know, not to toot my own horn, but. By all means. People say I look like Prince William. I could definitely see that. And this happened to me a few Prince years ago. William mixed with Rob Reiner. And <laughs> I was I was serving um, at the theater a few years ago, and these two older ladies were like, you look just like Prince William. I'm like, oh, is, is it the eyes or something? And they're like, no, it's the hairline. Oh, no. Thank you. I think you're a super handsome man, but I think you sh- your the response would be, Oh, no, I'm actually undercover right now. I'm seeing what American life is for my sister-in-law. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if anyone wanted to know, and I think it's, it's, it is eerie watching this movie where the relationship with Kate Winslet and Jack Black was so much uh, of how Sarah and I, our dynamic. Yeah, I really been. saw a lot of you guys in them. And not to say that you and Robin are super sexy, but... I don't know. You guys are, you, if I had to throw you into a pool, I would throw you into the Jude Law Cameron Diaz pool and I would have you swim in that sexiness. Robin's going to hear this and get really mad at you. But I don't think Robin (laughs) is like Cameron Diaz at all. Her hair, her hair is like the, the dark version of it. But I do think you guys had a super sexy, like honeymoon phase at the very beginning. We did. Whereas me and Sarah were friends for years and didn't, touch each other's hands for years and years and years so uh, that's that's where i'm drawing the line robin can please i'm sorry that's <laughs> you're not cameron diaz you're off i just think she'll be fine um but thank you that is an, one of the nicest things that anybody's ever said about my physical appearance please pop the bubble when my head gets too big but i'm not the first one who said that right no you aren't and um it honestly half the time it makes me feel like shit because i know how untrue it is <laughs> Because I'm like, you guys have seen Jude Law, right? And you are looking at me, right? I, I just have to hold up a phone and I'm like, it's, it's, he's, 
he is a god. I hope you can see that. Well, I'll pop your bubble later. Whoa. Uh, uh, anyway, so uh, Rufus Sewell, uh, speaking of a cup of cold water, Rufus Sewell uh, comes in and he's like, hey, so I see you've been making fettuccine with people. Fine Christmas present. And Kate Winslet is doing that like deer in the headlights. I don't know how to handle this situation thing. Because if there's if there's anything that this movie does is it has show it has people show up unannounced places uh-huh. whether it's Cameron Diaz at Jude Law's house or Rufus Sewell at this house in L.A. He somehow finds out oh because she gave him the address yeah so that, yeah and Rufus Sewell's whole thing is that they used to date they broke up he cheated on her he's now engaged but you can tell the way that he treats her is that he really likes having her attention. Right. He he likes the good things that she says about him and sees in him because he's probably one of those guys that knows he's a crappy person, but if somebody sees something good in him, he he's, needs that. And he's going to kind of sap that energy as much right. as he can. He's almost a he's almost a vampire, yeah, I would say. Yeah. To the point of going all the way to LA to get it from her and you know, his intentions was very clearly like he just wants to hook up and get his get his and then leave her and then and, and her. get his like notes probably too yeah and just be a user because he's a he's a tryst guy where he he's like and it's not that trysts are inherently bad it's just that he needs both stability and passionate affairs at the same time yeah and the like kate winslet is the person that will give it to him until this time right and what changes here for her well she had been getting training from Arthur, Arthur, who had who, been showing her all these classic movies with really strong leading ladies. Right. And he, some of which he had written. Yeah. Yeah. But his, his advice to her, and it's brilliant advice, is... You, I, I can tell, are a leading lady. But for some reason, you're behaving like the best friend. <sighs> you're so right. You're supposed to be the leading lady of your own life, for God's sake. And that's the best thing I think anyone can say to anyone. And I feel like this is another one of those movies that was so popular and and definitely like hit DVD shelves and oh, yeah. exploded afterwards where like 2000 by the time 2009 had come about I'd heard that from people like giving that advice to other people using like movie lingo to say like you should be the own you're like the lead character in your own movie and I I feel like this is one of if not the progenitor of that idea for this generation. Yeah, and it's not, you know, Kate Winslet's not the pushover to a best friend. Is that she's just not standing up for her own boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that's what a woman with gumption does. And we see her finally be given the test because she can't really exert her boundaries until Rufus Sewell gives her an opportunity to put up the walls because she can't just put up the walls. She needs to have him there so she can put up the walls. And we can see exactly how like badly she needs that when we, before she comes to LA, we get like a moment that's very Sylvia Plath-esque in the house where, (laughs) but it's also funny because instead of putting her head inside of an oven in order to like give her gas poisoning, she just tries to suck it straight (laughs) off the top of the stove. And she's like, no, what am I doing? And she, she bursts out and just like sucks air in and it's it's such a dark moment that also plays for like like funny and she's like says like what are you doing this is so yeah. stupid and when she talks to herself i'm just there for it every moment yeah and we very clearly see that this relationship with rufus sewell is keeping her back 100 percent in her romantic life right it is just 
totally a giant block in that. And I think like, she can't see it. And I, I, I relate to that. And that's why I love her storyline so much because mm-hmm. uh, like high school, college, I had the same hang up and it was just getting in my way. And I don't think I understood how much it was in my way until way after the fact. Sure. Where I realized I'm like, whoa, I had my priorities all wrong. And just seeing her free herself of it and finally telling him to fuck off and knowing that he's gone for good because she put up that wall successfully is so, oh, yeah. It felt so good to watch. The, um, like, she gets there because she has a conversation, though, with Jack Black because he, his, his whole thing is that Jack Black has a relationship with Shannon, Shannon Sossaman, who's also in one of my favorite movies, Knight's Tale, um, and Risk Cutter's A Love Story another good movie mm-hmm. she cheats on him basically and, and breaks his heart right is the story and he and her kind of have a pity party one night on christmas eve this move by the way this movie's like timeline is all out of whack because <laughs> yeah. we keep going back and forth eight hours difference but right they don't have a christmas is it and tomorrow so or yesterday you don't really know like when christmas is and that's usually in a christmas movie like we get to christmas or christmas happens and then there's an afterward that's a brilliant point it's the Christmas is lost in this movie. It's a, the holiday mainly because it's a vacation. Maybe that's why it's called the holiday and not the Christmas. Duh. <laughs> uh, so basically when they're having this pity party, uh, he kind of describes how like, you know, he always falls for the, for the bad girls and there's something so corny and charming about Jack Black in this movie. I know we haven't really talked about him very much. We'll get to him. Don't worry. Yeah. And he's talking and then she is like, yeah, I see you. I'll see your relationship drama and I'll raise you this. Yeah. And she lays it all out on the line. So she knows what's wrong with it. She just can't do anything about it because she doesn't have any more self-confidence because he's sucked it all out of her. Yeah. And and he's like, oh man, you're the one who needs to drink. Yeah. What's your, if you're, if you're having relational troubles and you like, what would be the drink that you'd do? Oh, mm, it would be a, it would be a messy martini. Where you're where you're pouring a jigger in and you go oops and you spill like so much vodka in there that when you pour it out that the martini glass can barely hold like the, the martini contents. glass at the bottom is like almost alien aciding like liquor yeah. out of it and it's so dry that someone shouted uh, vermouth at it and that's how dry it is that's how much vermouth is in it it just has the essence some of spittle someone. of vermouth it is just someone shouted at it and has its essence of vermouth that's how dry it is so it's mas- it's mostly vodka. Nice. That's my drink. Okay. Well, for me, um, it's whiskey all the way. Like oh. just a big tumbler full of whiskey. Okay, that'll do it. Uh, like, the whiskey is something if like, uh, if you know, I had a, a a leg that was being cut off, and it's 1920, and there's no you <laughs> you're know, biting on a stick and taking some whiskey. Yeah, and I'm yeah. in the woods somewhere, and we're 2,000 miles. Pour it on the wound. Just do it. Do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Your poor child is probably awake now. <laughs> Crap, don't wake up, don't wake up. <laughs> this all leads to when Rufus Sewell is over and he's kind of, he's done the vampire thing where he's seduced her onto the couch and they're they're doing that like lean over, like almost in the place where they're going to kiss, both have a glass of wine. And he does the gaslighting thing where he says, he says all the right things in this in a way that's kind of reflective, he's like the bad guy version of Jude Law because he says all the right things. I was going to say that he is the antichrist Jude Law. (laughs) 
He's coming to me. Really? He really, I think by design, is the inverted Jude Law. And I didn't really see that the last couple times that I watched this movie, but he he really does play it up where he's like, I'm going to tell you everything you want to hear right now, but I'm never going to overtly tell you any truths or overtly any lies. And it's not until she's ready to be like, no, I want the truth and he can't give it. He kind of like does that bullshit line where he's like, uh, can't you just understand how hard this is for me right now? I wish you could just accept knowing how confused I am about all this. Okay, let me translate that. So you are still engaged to be married. Yes, but oh, I mean... Oh my God. This was a really close call. You know, I never thought I'd say this, literally never, but I think you were absolutely right about us. Very square peg, very round hole. You cannot mean that. The great thing is, I actually do. And I'm about three years late in telling you this, but nevertheless, I need to say it. <sighs> Jasper, wait, I need the lights on. <sighs> Jasper. You have never treated me right, ever. Oh, babe. Shush! You broke my heart. You acted like somehow it was my fault, my misunderstanding, and I was too in love with you to ever be mad at you, so I just punished myself for years. But you waltzing in here on my lovely Christmas holiday and telling me that you don't want to lose me whilst you're about to get married somehow newly entitles me to say... It's over. I'm here for you. I'm, Kate I'm just right in that moment with her. That I've, is that is the catharsis. I'm just feeling it. I'm so happy for her as a person. I'm I, just like, you did it, girl. I have had that moment with somebody like that in my life, and it is one of the most triumphant moments where you can walk away from something with your head held high. And like that is I think that's another reason why and we we get with Jack Black's story when he goes back to Shannon Sossman because she interrupts a friend date that he's on with Kate Winslet at one point in time. And she's like, come, come talk with me. I miss you and I want you and it's okay. And we'll fix it. And it's just like, like if you don't, if he didn't confront it right there and like actually deal with it, then he would have been maybe pulled back into it that whole time. And yeah. I think they only could have gotten there by talking it out with the other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, this is just why this storyline works so well is we have the start of Kate Winslet's story as she's kind of pathetic. She's stuck on this guy, but it's not the particulars of she's stuck on this guy. It's what that means for her life that she's stuck on this guy. Like she's invested in, it's almost, uh, what's that thing where you invest, like you're pot committed, where you've invested so much in that if you pull out now, then it means that none of that was worthwhile. Yeah, and so we can just see how stuck in life she is because of this circumstance. And we just, we want to see her grow. And we actually see her do that through this very charming story. And her helping Arthur. Yeah. Right? Because and she's like, just a, a benevolent presence too. Sometimes the best way to get out of any situation that you're stuck in is to help somebody else mm -hmm. and it kind of gives you a pathway in your own heart to help yourself yeah and it's also i don't know there's just something about you know like in it's a wonderful life jimmy stewart's problem is that he's just too helpful <laughs> like his whole plot line is like well i can't travel because now these people need me and i gotta go help them and it's just kind of like gosh darn it i do like you <laughs> but rufus sewell mm -hmm. the jude law thing mm -hmm. so jude law is perfect but flat 
Rufus Sewell is is terrible but flat, and we usually hate villains that are really flat because then we're just kind of like, uh, I don't buy it. It, it always comes with like it was our problem. It was my problem with Happiest Season where the 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 dad and the sister were so flat. It works in this movie. Though. This is the whole Lord of the Rings thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Say more. Okay. So in story writing, if you want to, if you don't have a lot of time to build a character complexly, you hint at them and you'll hint of something bigger so that the audience kind of has to fill in all of the blanks. Right. Oh, and it's perfect because in a romantic comedy, you want to project yourself onto the characters that you're looking at. Because even like even if um, Rufus Sewell is a complete villain and is an asshole, I think all of us probably I mean, I know I can say this. I have led somebody on at one point in time, once knowingly too, uh, before I learned to be a more mature adult. Mm -hmm. And what you can see in Kate Winslet at one point in time, she mentions like they went like to this place together near the sea and she right. wore a bikini. Right? right. And the fact that he remembers that brings her so much like momentarily like momentary happiness. But it does and, paint the particularness of this character that it, it's not like a, a worse writer would just be like hot guy. And I just, you know, want to use you, but it's like, no, he, he cares about her. He, he cares about, about her. her. He just doesn't do it in a healthy, good way. Yeah, he does it in yeah. a very, poisonous way he's thoughtful right but he's very selfish yeah um and so it builds a villain that we don't really get to spend a lot of time with uh, or he doesn't get fleshed out but he's still a character and that's why yeah. i think we're on board and the same thing with jude law is we see he has a dynamic because he does go out and get drunk he does care for his kids he is there with uh cameron diaz and he he does like break down emotionally and cry when he loses something and so he's not he doesn't have the greatest depth of character but we can still imagine that there's more depth to this person when he tells us well i've put up walls and compartmentalized my life so that you don't know my depth and that convinces us that there is okay i've got a brilliant beyond brilliant idea first of all i just want to say that line is written by Nancy Myers, and she uses it twice in two of her movies, spoken by different characters. Which Ooh, movie? Which movie? That's a trivia question. Compartmentalizing which life? Which movies? No, the, the line is, I have a brilliant, beyond brilliant idea. Uh, which Nancy Myers movies does a character say that, and who are the characters? I have no idea. Okay, the first time we hear it is in Father of the Bride 2, when Steve Martin realized that he wants to sell the family home. Mm-hmm. He says, I have a brilliant, beyond brilliant idea. The second time it's said is in The Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan. Oh, I just Who's also that. in this movie. That's why she's in this movie. Of course. Uh, it's in The Parent Trap where I think it's right before they concoct The Parent Trap where I think Lindsay Lohan says, says it to herself. Says to Lindsay Lohan, I have a brilliant, beyond brilliant idea. So my brilliant, beyond brilliant. Was it to <laughs> tell me that anecdote? <laughs> uh, so I'm thinking about the AB storyline. Uh-huh. And I, it feels like Kate Winslet, her story feels real and mm -hmm. natural. And Cameron Diaz and Jude Law feels like fantasy. The fantasy you come up with is I would just, I would go to a faraway land like England where it's charming and I would find this house that's this charming cottage. And, and then I'd meet Jude Law and it's Jude Law and he's so yummy. And we have this conversation and he says all the right things and I never do this, but we make love that night. And, oh, but but there's a problem. And 
and then your mind keeps racing and you come up with this like melodramatic problem of like, oh, he's, he's a dad, he's a widower. And just all uh-huh. these things that just make him more and more and more wonderful. And- he he's had babies and is happy with it. So I wouldn't have to if we got married. And yeah. so so my body would just be fine. All these things that just makes the fantasy so nice to like escape to and just have your daydream about. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, you have Rufus Sewell to deal with, and you're trying to help this this old man and his screenwriting. And Jack Black's there, but I don't know how to feel about that because well, he's he's dating someone I, here. Let's talk about this rather than fan theory wise. Um, let's talk about this as an actual like wish fulfillment fantasy. But I, I, I really do think the Cameron Diaz is just there for for fantasy and the Kate Winslet's there is for actual drama to like well, it's funny get involved because with. if you take their their stories and switch them, Kate Winslet is the popper in The Prince and the Popper Tale. Um, where she gets placed in this castle, right? And it almost seems like a fantasy because her life just gets infinitely more fun and easy and wonderful outside of gloomy old England. And then with Cameron Diaz, it's kind of the opposite. She's had a breakup and then she goes to this place and, oh, she has to walk through the snow in heels. Why are you wearing heels? Um, And then she goes into this house and it's not a really great house. And the only thing that saves her is the knight in shining armor. Whereas Kate Winslet doesn't need that knight in shining armor. She needs to get that person away from her. Yep. Basically. And so they, they kind of have just opposite stories, but both end up in the same place, which is in love in Jude Law's amazing house. Yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of want to like my, 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 um, conclusion to the Cameron Diaz Jude Law storyline is mm-hmm. like, well, you've got a story. As we've just explained in this episode, there's not a lot to it. I think I think the big question here is if one of these could be an ind- like could either of these be their own individual movie if you flesh them out a little more? Um, well, that requires a different question. Is uh, how would you rewrite the movie? You write your first draft with your heart, and you rewrite with your head. I'm going to split up the script. Uh huh. Oh, I'm going to take. Kate okay. Winslet script, and I think by itself, it's this movie is two hours and fourteen minutes. So you could do a fan edit where the Kate Winslet storyline is an hour and fifteen minutes, and I would call it good. Yeah, and you could even flesh out a little bit more because the one thing I think about her and Jack Black's character is they have chemistry, but I would give them more time on screen together to develop that chemistry, mm-hmm. and then that movie's done. Yeah. So let's set that one aside. Yeah, you got a B plus, A minus there. We we've we've got it. We're good. Yeah, but with Cameron Diaz and Jude Law. Um, what would I do to like flesh that out and make it its own film? Like, what is the drama piece that it's missing? So the whole thing is that they're trying to make this drama about him being insecure about his identity as a single dad. Right. That's interesting. Keep going. I feel like that was just used as a sympathy point. Well, right. It made him just more attractive. He's yeah, because he's not well, he's not insecure about his identity as a single dad. It's that he's insecure about the destruction one of those things could cause introducing it to the other but he's also just struggling with the responsibility and holding that mantle up and having relationships and that's not cameron diaz's fault or problem right but well so i i guess 
the thing is his, his drama is all set up, right? Because we would just need to expand on, okay, he has these two separate lives. Like maybe that's the movie right there. He has these two separate lives where he always dates other women. And now that one's getting serious, does he keep hiding his family? It seems kind of contrived, I guess. So, but like what, what, what could we give Cameron Diaz to like make her character have more of an interesting dramatic arc? Well, I would give her an interesting external obstacle and I don't think it would fit in this movie or this genre, but I think it would have been interesting that she's haunted. Let's say that he, Jude Law has one child and let's say the child has like a disability or a developmental disability. Uh And he's like, I'm a single dad. Uh, my hands are full with this kid and I love them and it takes a lot to raise them. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to have a relationship with you and I'm going to try. And Cameron Diaz could step into this struggle and realize like, wow, life with him would also mean life being a stepmom to this child. And that would be much hard. different. Yeah. It'd be hard and a lot different than and my life. And you could have this personal backstory where it's like, I never wanted to have kids. And well, now I'm in love with this guy who has a kid. And you know what? I think that would be really interesting. Cause you could start off the movie almost the same way where you kind of lean into Cameron Diaz thinking that her life is super hard. And like, yeah, she's, she's got like this really nice house, a great job, but she just can't find love. And, and she's like, my life is hard guys. It's rough. And we're just like, lady, <laughs> and then, and then she, she she meets Jude Law, and you know he's he's got like a hard life, perhaps, and but he's dealing with something real, and maybe she's just like, oh, I I don't know if I can deal with this, but slowly but surely she like realizes how maybe how rich their life is together, and how much richness she could find being a part of that life. Yeah, and you know the other thing I would change is. I find her lifestyle so boring. It like, is. You know, she lives, you know where she lives? She lives in a restoration hardware showroom. Yeah, she totally does. Like, it's like totally tasteless. Uh, sorry, restoration hardware. I love your chairs. I have one of your chairs in my house. But my point is, it's so fancy that it's fancy in spite of itself, that there's no character to her lifestyle. Exactly. Whereas, I'd say that Kate Winslet is only character. It's all character. Yeah. And she like, has the richer of the houses. She does. Yeah. I think Cameron, that's another thing. Like Cameron Diaz wearing all these clothes and being so fancy. It, she's not, she's one of those people that she has no way to let a place make an impression on her. She's always going to be this, this force of herself in a place. And there's something about a person like letting a place impress itself upon you, especially in a movie. But if you if you go somewhere and you're like, a, like Robin and I went to when we were on our honeymoon in France, we went to this really small village, right? And uh, it was raining all the time and we just didn't have a good raincoat. And so Robin found like a raincoat from a local shop and she just kind of looked a little bit more local while she was there. And I was like, that's super attractive. Mm. And there's something about Cameron Diaz being just so her and unchangeable that, uh, it rubbed me the wrong way, I guess. So uh, I want to get into a criticism criticism of Nancy Myers, and it's 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 double edged because I like it and I hate it. Uh, Nancy Myers, I think there's an Instagram channel just devoted to this. The kitchens in Nancy Myers films are exquisite. That they are the kitchen that the showroom kitchens are based on. Sure. Uh, the interior design, and I'll do this from a filmic point of view, the interior design uh, and the production design of her movies is kind of like kitchen porn. 
And I mean, that's kind of like uh, to all the boys I loved before. That that movie is half kitchen porn. Yeah, and I get it. <laughs> Sarah sure. and I are talking about remodeling our kitchen as we speak. <laughs> And w- but you'll go watch a show that's devoted to that if you want it. Right. But part of the reason why we come to movies like this is that, and I think this is becoming less and less true in this you know, 1% generation that we're realizing that we're in, is that we would go to the movies to escape our doldrums of our daily lives and go live in some glamorous life for a while. Mm-hmm. We're realizing those glamorous assholes don't know how well they got it because they keep complaining. And you know what? You've got a kitchen that cost $100,000 to make with all your Frigidaire appliances and your quartz, real quartz stonework. So I'm sorry, but I think you should get some perspective. And so I I like the Nancy Myers having an eye for detail because it's definitely that. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, with Cameron Diaz's house, I know that she picked that pillow personally. I know Nancy Myers is like, no, it's got to be this. It's got to be this. It's got to be this. But there's something that backfires about it, that it just comes off materialistic. Well, here, I think the fix that while we're kind of rewriting the movie, the fix that we can do is Cameron Diaz not realize, like she doesn't commit to being like, you know what? I kind of like England a little bit. Like I kind of like something genuine about this house. There's, there's no conversation where she's like, I enjoy this now. She just can't wait to go back to her life Mm -hmm. kind of in a way. Like the only thing keeping her in this new place would be Jude Law. And if I saw her change a little bit, I could imagine, I could project into her that if she goes back, maybe she's not going to like live such a plastic life anymore. But, but you're right. Like there's, I'm just like, Kate Winslet, you're going to this place and you're kind of enjoying a great hotel experience, but you couldn't live there your whole life. because right. it, It's like going to Hawaii for a week. It's like, this is great, but I don't want to move to Hawaii. <laughs> I, Mila Kunis is going to come beat you up from <laughs> forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. But I, I need to go home to rainy Portland. Like That's right, where sure. I need to be. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you this then, I, just because I think this is almost more important in this film. Who would you fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which... Uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends. The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, I love, I love you. I know. I think I tip my hand a little bit, but Kate Winslet is just so lovely in this film. And she's so real and warm and there's a naturalness to her. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to say it. Don't, don't let me say it. Try and stop me. Don't, I just just try and stop me. Smee. Don't let me say it. it. She's so much like Sarah, but, but, What's great about this movie, and this is what's great about rom-coms, I had the holiday on last night, and Sarah usually walks in and out of the room when we're watching these movies. But the holiday, she's just like, she dropped what she was doing. She's like, all right, I got to watch this whole thing. Not that she really likes it, but she can't help but really get into Kate and Jack Black's storyline sure. because it is so relatable for us watching it. And I, we already said this, but... Their storyline is so real because they have this wonderful friendship and 
it made us all warm and cuddly watching it. We, you know, they had their chemist, the good chemistry scenes where Jack and Kate were talking to each other and they were flirting with each other. And it, it's one of those movies where it's like, oh, come here, let's snuggle up and watch this movie. And we got cuddly because of it. And that's what's so great about rom coms is they can really bring the romance into the room. Mm. And so, Kate Winslet, both for her character and what she does for the room. Can we talk about Jack Black for a sec? Yeah, while we're in here, because. Here's the thing. This movie convinces me that those two characters should belong together. I don't know how much chemistry Jack Black and Kate Winslet have. Mm-hmm. Mainly, they're very... It's a lot of Jack Black performing mm-hmm. and Kate Winslet reacting. When they're having yeah. a genuine conversation, I'm I'm all there for it. And I can believe that she'd be attracted to him, you know. But there's this moment where they're doing the the piano playing... Uh-huh. together and it's really fun and wonderful and he's like playing her song and it's lovely and then they start doing the scrutally do's yeah right and it's a really cute moment but the last couple of times i've watched this movie i'm like watching them and he's like he's kind of like oh scrutally do you're doing this thing and she's like trying to do her own thing and he's like i'm gonna talk about you doing your thing and i don't know there was something about it that twanged just a little bit me watching it this time and i don't know if anybody else feels that way nope it's just you they're perfect <laughs> i'm okay. sorry i don't want to just no that's fine your... no i, but I how I about it. how about when they're at the video store and he's he's doing his thing well most the of the time tapes. most of the time it feels like jack black is at like a level of energy that kate wins it's like i'm not used to being at this level of energy that's why i need this coffee you just gave me well you know how we said Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon performance-wise was just totally mismatched? Sure. Uh, there's something fun about this where I don't think Kate Winslet's an improviser, and I don't know if Jack Black... I mean, he must be doing improv during the video scene. I, I mean, he's not must be, but like, you know, like they could have planned out those movies. Yeah, but, but... he just kind of knows like, okay, we'll do Jaws, we'll do, you know, yeah. Chariots of Fire. Oh, I've got something here, I've got something there. And there's just something that Kate Winslet is just enjoying this guy. See, that that is the positive way to look at it. And that's how I generally look at it. But there was something about it to me this time that wasn't bad at all. But it didn't hit me like it did the last couple of times. It's totally the hill I'll die on because, I, like I said, they are... I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying no, I, know. I didn't see it That's as why I'm saying I love it so much. And that's why this movie gets such a high praise for me is because, really, the Cameron Diaz, Jude Law stuff, I'm bored. Sorry, I'm bored. Me too. But, again... So I like, I'd much rather watch their story. But I like watching the fantasy fulfillment on on display almost ethnographically, where it's just like, interesting. This is this is a woman's fantasy on display. I like it. Uh, but Jack Black and Kate Winslet, it's again that charisma, that chemistry that I get to be on the date with them. Well, that's okay. what's fun. You know what it is, is um to me it felt like this time Jack Black was doing the work of the wooing. Uh-huh. Um yeah, where definitely. he's He's always like, like, let's say he comes in and he's like, hey, by the way, uh, I like when he shows up at Arthur's uh, award ceremony, he's like, sorry, we did it. We're all done. It's great. And then he like she's like, great. And they have their first kiss. And then she turns away and she's really happy, but she's more interested in Arthur. Mm-hmm. And Jack Black's kind of living in his world like, yes. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it feels like more of Jack Black. He's like, I wrote you a song. I'm going to take you to this video store and do this thing that I love doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, come over and like kind of invade your party that you're having with all these guys. And so Kate Winslet, it doesn't feel like Kate Winslet is falling in love with him as much as he is falling in love with her. Kelly, why do you think I like this movie? (laughs) Again, 
like I'm here for it and I love it, but uh, it was just something I didn't see the last times I watched the movie. Well, that's what's interesting is that I think you're 100% correct, um, but there's something... I, I wish Sarah was in the room right now. I'll ask her later. But I think that's why Sarah likes the movie so much mm-hmm. is that she gets to see a version of me via Jack Black mm-hmm. and see the joy and the happiness of that character and be reminded, this sounds so pompous, but be reminded of the person that she loves. Sure. And see a version no. of the person that she loves and that there's something, um, uh, what's that called? Vicarious about that. Sure. So I think that's where the pleasure of their storyline comes. I completely understand. And uh, to be honest, when I'm dating, I'm a little bit more Jack Black than I am Jude Law, where I'm like, by the yeah. way, look at me. I can entertain you and I can do this joke. Yes, so. but I'd say you're, I don't know, I would call you 75% Jude Law, 25% Jack You've never Black. dated me. I've been close. <laughs> <laughs> um, it anyway, got close. We it gotta, got really close. We gotta. We can't. We're not trying to figure out who I am, though. We're trying to figure out who I'd fall in love right. with. Right. So this would this would indicate where you fall on the spectrum. So I mean, I would. To be honest, I would fall in love with Kate Winslet in this movie. She's complicated. She's wonderful. She has. I think her dedication to Arthur is something I find extremely attractive. Mm -hmm. And she just seems so down to have fun. Like the way she interacts with the house when she first gets there. I like Robin was saying, and I completely agree. I could watch Kate Winslet be happy about just about anything. Yeah. Like it's Jude Law's a close second and a far third. Well, maybe Jack Black, but a far third is uh, the driver. (laughs) <laughs> because let me tell you what he come he kicks her out of the car at the beginning. I'm going to come back to this. I wanted to talk about this the whole time. He kicks her out of the car and she goes to, she has to trounce all the way to the, the cottage. He comes and picks her up at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he sees her crying and he's like, um, he like gets concerned and looks at her in the mirror and is just like, miss, are you, are you all right? And then that's when she actually, we didn't even talk about this. She can't cry. And then she cries at the end of the movie. Great. But it seems like this guy went through an off-screen <laughs> story where he wouldn't go and take this woman to the house before, but he will pick her up there. And it's not like he's been to that house before. He's a driver from London. And so when he at first approaches this lane, he's like, oh, I'm not going to be able to find some place to turn around. You haven't been there. You don't know. And this time he like picks her up and he's concerned about her. I'm like, that guy had a story out there. Okay. I'm setting up a challenge for ourselves. I would like to have this actor on our show as a guest. I would like oh, to yeah? interview him. Okay, we can. So I'm putting it out <laughs> into the world. If anyone knows him, if you are him, let it drop us a line because we would. Yeah, love we'll to have s- you on. I would love to know if what Kelly just said was there any kind of things <laughs> fleshed out for you on the day, because this is a clearly one day shoot. Yeah. Well, this is the other thing. I another reason why I think that was on the same day is because. There's days of snow here, and there's days of no snow here. Oh yeah, and we don't see it snow in between. Snow day. Yeah. So yeah. like there was there was some grounds continuity issues. Yeah, I want to quickly just say we bree- we breezed past her dramatic arc of 
she grew up, she couldn't cry, now she can finally she cry. Couldn't, she couldn't cry because her parents divorced, and ever since that time, she couldn't cry. But I'm not buying it because she doesn't seem emotionally closed off. It just seems yeah. like a phenomenon that she just specifically can't cry, and I'm yeah, just... She seems emotionally there. Yeah, so it's just, maybe maybe on the page, if it was fleshed out in the, in the same quality as Kate Winslet's storyline, but it just doesn't come off here. But that's okay. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes there can't be like, you know, winners all across the movie. You're going to have some stinkers. However, sometimes you really want to give the movie a rom-com Oscar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is your rom-com Oscar going to be movie that got me and Sarah most right? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I'll do it this one. Best? No, don't. Will you get mad at me if I say best cottage? There's going to be more cottages, right? Yeah, I did. I gave a best house to a or best location scouting to um, Four Christmases because I couldn't think of anything better. But this was better. Best cottage because I think we're going to run to other films. Oh, like <laughs> A Christmas Prince when she stumbles and she gets rescued by the prince and he oh, takes and her, he to, takes the her to his lodge. old cottage. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, I like this one better. This is a better. This is a better British English European Mm. cottage because they're in some. They're in like Genovia and that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll say best cottage. Best cottage. It was beautiful. I loved the inside. The timber on the inside was cool, and just the way she had her house set up felt like a person lived there. Yep. Um, Hollywood loves making movies about Hollywood. Yeah. Like it's it's they're just like sitting in a corner watching like old reels and just pleasuring themselves most of the time. (laughs) And this movie isn't different in that regard, but it does it in a way I admire because there's a lot of movies where all like in Argo, for instance, you've got Alan Alda and, or not Alan Alda, Alan Arkin and, um, and a couple other characters just talking about the good old days in Hollywood. Right. And I never believe it. Right. Um, mainly because they don't look old enough to have been in Hollywood. And it feels like fan service where it's like, you know, Yeah. And it's, it's like, they're like, Hey, Oscars, do you want to throw us a nod? Because we're nodding towards you so you can do it back. But this movie having a character as well fleshed out as Arthur who, who had opinions like, like he still did that thing where it's like movies these days, blah, blah, blah. But it seemed like a way that I completely believe like, cause he had more opinions about other Hollywood things. And he had a life that was outside of telling us what Hollywood was like in, I mean, not really like he, he really does lean into that, but he seemed like a guy who lived it and was there and really enjoyed it. And this actor, do you want to know what other part he's played? Dude, this is Eli Wallach. Yeah. Eli Wallach has, he is ugly in the good, the bad and the ugly. He's the ugly. (laughs) Yeah. Which he's just beautiful in this movie, but he's he's the ugly. He is one of the great character actors. And it's a a beautiful thing in this movie that he's in The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, scored scored by Ennio Morricone, who gets name-dropped like twice. twice. Yeah, for the mission and whatever else they're listening to in the car. Yeah, and so they they knew. They knew what they (laughs) had. Have you ever been that person that Jack Black is in the car where he's like leaning over and he's like, oh, this is the part with the flutes. And and you're just like, oh, yeah. And they're just not appreciating it. Uh, not for a while. Cause Sarah totally appreciates yeah, it. Yeah. That's the wonderful thing about dating Robin as well was like when we were getting to know each other, she was like, Oh no, I love composition. And I was like, I was just coming off of a dating relationship where somebody was like, your Spotify is a lot of like classical music and soundtracks. And I'm like, 
yeah, deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was one time you and I were going to Home Depot and you're like, listen to this this cue from this Miyazaki film. It was oh, yeah, like, it was a Hisha Ishi piece. Like, I get it. Yeah. This is yeah. great. This is another reason why we have a good relationship. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that was the holiday. That was the holiday. Thank you for coming on this very long holiday with us. What are we watching next week? So you're listening to this, hopefully on the day we drop it, which is Christmas Eve. Or Christmas. We'll see what day it actually comes out. It's Christmas time. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a take a short break. We're going to take a week off. But then yep. when we come back, we're coming back for our inaugural, not quite a rom-com series. And we're kicking it off in the new year with That Thing You Do Year's Eve. And in case you don't, you can't find that movie online, uh, the movie itself is called That Thing You Do. Yes. Starring which wonderful band? The Wonders! That's right. Also known as The O'Neaters. Hey, that's O'Neaters. <laughs> gosh, I'm so glad that we get to watch Steve Zahn again. Oh my God. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm really glad that we got to basically through this year. Um, like, yeah. I guess, I guess this is going to drop on New Year's Eve. So yeah. maybe I should say that for next time, but this has been a really cool project to do with you. Yeah. Hey, thank you. That's, yeah. That was nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, hold on. Let me s- s- complain to me for a second. I'll be Jude Law for you. Uh, I just, you know, I, I just don't think I'm that good in bed. Hey, I'm sure you're wonderful. Let's go find out right now. Oh, I I should have complained about something else. <laughs> Here, well, tell well, the, tell the ladies and gentlemen. If you want to tell us how good we are in bed, uh, feel free to send us an email. Nope, at nope. Rom-com I think gents. our lawyers would have a problem with that. Don't put it that way. <laughs> Romcomgents at gmail.com. Write us about anything but being in bed together. You can also hit us up on Facebook or Instagram. Those lovely social media places that aren't always lovely but are sometimes. Um, and you can make it a lovely, lovelier, lovelier place still. A lovelier place. A lovelier place. Come come find us. Come follow us. Uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. I mean, this is Christmas after all. And if if you can find it within your hearts to just give us a five-star review or even write something nice about us, it would really go a long way to like us going up in the charts. Or just tell your friends to go give us a listen. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's the season of giving. Yeah. Uh, well, Ryan, I would love to dance around a table with you with our wives and our two beautiful daughters <laughs> in this weird foursome we're creating mm. on New Year's Eve. How does that sound? Uh, I'm looking forward to bringing out my own Mr. Napkinhead. Oh, me too. Let's let's post a double Mr. Napkinhead this week on Instagram. To double Mr. Napkinheads. I love you. I love you. See ya. Merry Bye. Christ- hey, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Covey. Happy, have a happy new year. And this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. I got a matchbook, okay? Uh... There, it's the same cover on both sides. How are we going to do this? <laughs> well, I'm trying to see if there's a difference. Um, there's okay. No, those are pencils. That doesn't work either. Don't you have anything that's not the same on both sides? My computer. We'll flip that. Uh, oh, keys. <laughs> <laughs>